Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to talk to you about life at its best. You know something? And I say this every week, Jesus came that we might have abundant life. Or as one translation says, life to the fullest. So I don't know about you, but when I look around at my life, and it's not abundant, it's not to the fullest. Where I'm, if I'm not having peace and joy, now I'm not worried about what circumstances are, are difficult or what kind of challenges I've got out there. I'm not saying that there's a place that you come to where you have no challenges, but I'm telling you, no matter what the challenge is, no matter what the situation, we can have peace and joy in our heart. We can have confidence. We can, we can look at any situation and realize I can be an overcomer in this situation. It will not win over me. It will not win over my emotions. It will not win over my life. It will not take over my life because Jesus died so I could have abundant life. You know something? If Jesus, if Jesus did everything he did so I could have abundant life, I got news for you. I feel not only the, the privilege and the opportunity, but I feel the responsibility to live the abundant life. If I want the world to see Jesus in me, or I want the world to see what Jesus can do for them and, you know, draw them. Now, <clears throat> this month we're talking about trying to remove all of these contradictory, chaotic, conflicting beliefs that we have about God. You know, uh, uh, me and Rick, and many of you know who Rick Trussell is that, that works here with me and takes care of our video and does all gets all this stuff out for us. You know, we were just talking about contradictory statements. We were talking about a worship song. It's a good, it's a good worship song, and the verses are all positive. And, and then the chorus is that the Lord gives and takes away, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. How are you going to talk about how good God is? And then you're going to, then you're going to pop out with the Lord gives and takes away. Well, I know the first thing you're going to say. You're going to say, Oh, but Jim, that's in the Bible. You know what? It is in the Bible, but you have to lift it totally out of the context that it was spoken in. And you have to make it say something that really the Bible does not support in order to believe that the Lord gives and takes away. Now, it's there. So hang on with me. Don't, don't blow up on me and turn me off and say that I'm denying the Word of God because I'm not. I absolutely believe in the Word of God. Now, <clears throat> Job is the, actually the oldest book of the Bible. And I'll tell you one of the amazing things about Job, and I'll tell you, this is way over my head, but uh, I have read some of the most incredible uh, scientific uh, research that comes out of the book of Job. I'm telling you, the book of Job says, tells us things about creation that you don't just get from the little synopsis in the book of Genesis. There is incredible scientific revelation in the book of Job. Now, keep in mind, as the oldest book of the Bible, before 
Anything about God was in writing. Well, there might have been something in writing, but it's before we have what we know to be the Bible. And so most of what people knew about God was probably handed down uh, orally. And so uh, Job is what you call a historical book. Now, let me say this about historical books. Historical books will honestly and truthfully reveal what happened historically. I'll give you a good example. You know, King David, he went through enormous persecution, and most of the persecution that he went through was because of his affair with Bathsheba. And uh, when Absalom, his son, rose up to try to overthrow David's kingdom, he basically uh, uh, got people around him who were against David because of the affair that David had had with Bathsheba. Now, it's really interesting. When, when David was sneaking out of Jerusalem to save his life, there was a man, I think this guy's name was Doeg, and Doeg was, was going along throwing rocks at David and cursing him. And Joab, the head of David's military, said, let, let me go kill that dog for you. And David said, no, maybe God told him to say that. You know something? God didn't tell him to say that. That was an accurate historical account of something that happened. But that doesn't mean that it was the will of God. It doesn't mean that God said it. It just is how David perceived it. Now, you, you have the same thing in the book of Acts. There were things that happened in the book of Acts there were statements that were made in the book of Acts that were an accurate account of what happened, but that does not mean that, that, that those things were, in fact, the will of God. You know, for example, uh, after uh, Judas hung himself, the apostles came together and they, they cast lots to decide what, who would replace him as the 12th apostle. Well, they made their decision, and the person that became the 12th apostle, you never heard of him again. But instead, later on, you see God raising up the apostle Paul. Now, uh, was there anything wrong with the fact that they cast lots? No, not really. But that's not something that God told them to do. So you, you can't necessarily say, I'm going to cast lots to come up you know, with a solution for this problem. Historical books, this is really important. Don't, don't think I'm just going to stay on this too long. But historical books are really, really important. But you have to recognize the difference between an accurate account of history and what God actually says. Here's, here's the most amazing thing about the book of Job. In the book of Job, you have 30-something chapters of accurate history of conversations that take place between Job and his friends. But then God begins to speak, and when God begins to speak, he says, who is this? And this is over in Job 36 or Job 38. He says, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? In other words, God is saying, who, who, say it, who is coming up with all this stuff that's darkening the truth about me because you're speaking without proper understanding, without proper input. And Job was sort of like, a, a, you mean me? 
And God said, yeah, I'm talking about you. As a matter of fact, one of the things God asked Job, he said, would, would you make me to appear to be unrighteous by blaming all this on me so that you can maintain your righteousness? Well, you know, people do that every single day. I call that circumstance theology, where people, rather than accepting the responsibility for what's going on in their life, would rather come up with a theology that blames God and somehow makes God the culprit of their problems. Well, that's what the book of Proverbs says. It talks about how a foolish man will, will twist and distort his life, and then in the end, he blames God for what's going on. He creates a theology. He said, oh, this, is, must be what, this must be what God is doing. Well, here's the interesting thing in the book of Job. All of those 36 or 38 chapters that Job and his friends debate about what's wrong and why this is happening to Job, people quote from that all the time. People quote from that as if you can take theology out of a conversation that God himself said was darkening his counsel. It was words without knowledge, words without counsel, words that were not based on truth, that darkened, that made it hard to see and understand who God was. But here's the amazing thing. You don't ever hear people quote from what God said when he started speaking, nor do you ever hear what Job said after he repented and dealt with his attitude and dealt with his issues. So when we hear this phrase, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, that was a phrase that did not represent God. It is an accurate historical account of something that Job said that God later rebuked Job for saying, or one of his friends said, I can't remember if it was Job or one of his friends. So, so, we need to look at the book of Job and we need to, we need to do something that not many people even think to do. You know, when the Bible tells us to renew our minds, we tend to think about renewing our minds only from the perspective of getting some new information. You know, I was, I was listening to a program, a Christian program the other day and it was really a pretty good program and they started talking about the value of meditating on God's word. And I knew what they were going to do because I've heard this all of my life. And so when they, when they told people how to meditate, basically it was memorize. Just memorize God's word. Just say that verse over and over again. Memorize God's word. Meditation, memori memorization can be important to meditation, but really they're not the same thing. Meditate or, or memorizing can give you new information. But that information doesn't bring life. It doesn't bring wisdom about how to use it or how to put it into practice. But meditation is where in your connection with God, you, you uh, bring this information to life if it's based on God's word. You bring it to life inside you. It becomes your reality. It becomes your future. It becomes, it becomes life for you. And then God himself speaks to you and shows you how to put this into practice, how to apply this to your life. Meditate, uh, memorization is about information. Meditation is about utilization and bringing something to life. Well, the, the truth is both of those, however, are a part of renewing the mind because one is renewing the information, but the other is renewing how to use that information or, or coming to understand how to use that information. 
Now, I'm going to say this, and I've actually had some people write to me and kind of rebuke me over this. They said it was insulting for me to say this, but, you know, I also will tell you this. The truth that has the most potential to set you free always has the most potential to offend you if you're not willing to repent, if you're not willing to learn from it and change your mind. And the greatest problem with serious Christians, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about just these people that never read. You know, there, there are Christians that never read their Bible. Basically, they just wanted a ticket to heaven and seem to have a little interest in living a godly, productive life here on earth. They don't even, they don't even make a connection between godliness and the quality of life that they're living. And so, you know, I, I don't have much to help those kinds of people uh, because, but I tell you what, there's a lot of serious people. And if you're watching this program, if you watch this program regularly, you got to be pretty serious because this is not a flim flam, easy believism kind of message. This is all about responsibility. This is all about you investing in yourself, you becoming a disciple and you following God. But, but what I have found among believers who are serious about God, but they can't get their life to work, it's not many times that they don't know what to think, they don't know how to think. We do not know how to think. Now, I've, I've, I've mentioned this to you many times in the book of Hebrews where Paul, I assume it's Paul, Paul may not have written Hebrews, we don't really know who wrote Hebrews, but uh, where the writer of Hebrews is talking about the need for these believers to come to the place where he can teach them about righteousness. And he explains that, you know, that the concept of righteousness can not be grasped by the immature. It, it can only be grasped by the mature. And he explains that the mature are the people who put this stuff into practice. They exercise it. They develop it into their lives, not just the people who listen and gather information. You know, I always tell people this, you don't, you don't know if what you believe is true or not until you put it in practice and get it to work. If you can't put what you believe into practice and get it to work, then you're not sure in reality, you're not experientially sure that it actually works. It is just a theory. And you say, well, but I can point it out in the Word of God. Good. You might have the right verse, and you might say the verse right, say it properly, but there's a, there's a, a great distance between having the right information and turning that into God's wisdom for application and implementation into, into your own life. And so the writer of Hebrews says something that is so incredibly interesting. He says, now, he says, we got to move on so I can get you to righteousness. Because remember, righteousness, contrary to what religion says, is not just moral perfection. Righteousness is about wholeness. Righteousness is about every aspect of our life being in harmony with God, being as it should be, considering the fact that we are children of God, considering that Jesus came and died for us, considering that God loves us and, you know, who God is. In other words, considering all the truth, righteousness, a righteous life is how it should be, which is going to be whole, is going to be complete, it's going to be a life that works. And he says, he says, so not laying again the foundation, and he goes to the foundations of, you know, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, baptisms, laying on of hands, uh, uh, judgments, all of these kinds of, I think he lists about six foundational doctrines. You've got to have straight or you're not really ready to move on to righteousness. Now remember, here's what I love about righteousness. The Bible says in the way, 
the path, the lifestyle of righteousness. Now, remember, righteousness is a completeness, a wholeness that comes about because we harmonize with God. We harmonize our beliefs with God. We harmonize our behaviors with God because we know not that we're earning something, but we know that it produces something in our lives and it, and it brings us into the wholeness that, that, that God has for us. But that phrase, not laying again the foundation, is a very interesting phrase because it has a dual meaning to it. In other words, he's saying, now look, I can't keep laying this foundation over and over and over again. It's like, how many times do I have to go back and teach this to you? Now, I'm telling you, as, as someone who has pastored uh, for uh, a lot of years, I used to see this, that you, you could teach something. For example, let's say that Let's say that for six weeks, I'm teaching on the miraculous health and healing that comes uh, by believing the truth in your heart. Man, people are believing, people are trying to harmonize their beliefs and experience the life of God through their beliefs. And then let's say uh, maybe six months later, I teach a series where we talk about the, uh, the health commandments. And actually that word commandment should be prescription. So health prescriptions where you talk about the practical things that God says you need to do to be physically healthy. I'm going to tell you, it's like people would, it would be like I never ever talked to them about uh, uh, experiencing health and healing through faith. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going to forget all that. We're going over here to this. No. And so that's what happens. We've got these foundational things. And, you know, I, I was somewhere that, that I was speaking to our ultimate impact group. <clears throat> I was talking to the group about the fact that, that, that our foundation is sort of like climbing up a mountain. And then we see something out here. And rather than say, okay, how do I understand this in light of this whole mountain of faith or, or belief that I've got or doctrine that I've got? And we just jump off the mountain to go try to grab that. And then we're wondering, well, wait a minute, I'm flying through the air, getting ready to hit the dirt and be dead. Why is this happening to me? Well, because you jumped off of the foundation. The second thing that that means is, you know, first thing it means is we can't get you to righteousness. We can't get, remember, now the way of righteousness is life and no death. And that's, that's where I want to live. I want to live where I serendipitously enjoy the very best that there is. But he's saying, he's also saying, we can't keep going back and doing this, repeatedly doing this. But he's also saying, but we can't cast it away. In other words, I've got to be able to take you now to some of the more serious, some of the more mature aspects of the Christian faith. But we can't go up here and then forget about the foundation because it's all got, it all stands on the foundation. So it amazes me. And, and, and what I'm about to say, I say all the time, but I'm not going to stop saying it because evidently uh, 10,000 times is not enough. And you know what? And that's all right. I'm not being critical because you got years sometimes of building up certain beliefs and, 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 we can just get sucked off of the foundation because of these beliefs that we've held on to. But, 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 but here's the deal. God revealed himself to us 
through his names. God revealed himself to us through his, through his every word, but especially God revealed himself to us through the life, the teaching, the ministry of the Lord Jesus, and then through his death, burial, and resurrection. It, if Jesus is the word made flesh, then this means I have to understand every word that God has ever spoken in light of what Jesus taught. See, this is what drove the Jews crazy. Jesus said, you know, I'm the Father or one. The works that I do are His. In other words, I'm not doing anything that's contrary with what God the Father would do if He, if He were here personally, so to speak. I'm not teaching anything that's any different from anything that you've heard. I'm just teaching it to you from the intention, the motive, and the perspective that God originally gave it. You're the, you're the guys that twisted the motive behind it. See, they took the commandments and said, oh, this is how we're going to judge people. This is how we're going to control people. This is how we're going to rule over people. That wasn't what the commandments were. The commandments were so that, number one, we would know how to treat people, including ourselves, how to have meaningful relationships with God, with the rest of the human race, and, and, and with ourselves. And when you twist the application, when you twist the motive or the intention behind why something is said, then you twist its meaning and get it where it's completely non-understandable. But if, there, if, if you can't prove through the names of God, through the life of Jesus, and through the death, burial, and resurrection, if you cannot prove that what you believe, uh, your interpretation of any scripture, if you can't see that it aligns with each of those factors, then you better hit the brakes because you're either denying the name of the Lord because you're contradicting it, you're denying that Jesus was the perfect representation of God because you're in contradiction to it or you're denying the death, burial, and resurrection because you're believing something that contradicts it. So I can't go to the book of Job and find a scripture that says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away and based on the names of God, based on uh, what Jesus revealed about God and based on the, the uh, death, burial, and resurrection, I can't find congruence or harmony with the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I can't, I can't find that. So what do you do? Well, you know what? There's a lot of times I just admit that I don't understand this. And the Holy Spirit's the teacher. The Word of God is the information. And you know what? There are things that it's, you know, that I saw that I didn't understand that it took 20 or 30 years before I ever grew into a place in my heart where I could accept and understand and see and perceive what God is what God is saying. You know, the Bible is full of scriptures about how good God is. Now, Job, this is really important. Job was a godly man. He was a righteous man. We are, you know, we're not building a case against Job. But I, I want to show you something right here. In, in Job, the first chapter, the first verse, it says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God. Now, remember, the fear of God in the Old Testament was not so supposed to be the fear of God hurting you. It was where you so reverenced God that your greatest fear, your greatest concern was you didn't want to do anything to harm your relationship with God. And it said he shunned evil. And he said he had seven sons and three daughters and and. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest 
of all the people of the East. So Job was an incredibly, incredibly wealthy man. You know, I've had people come to me and say, you know, I'm just going through some, I'm having a Job experience. I'm saying, I said, well, unless you're believing to get seven times more than what you had when you went into this, then you're not having a Job experience. You're just having a breakdown. Verse four goes on to say, and his sons would go and feast in their houses each on his appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And so it was that when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them and he would rise early in the morning and offer a burnt offering according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Now, you begin to see something here, and this is about as far as we're going to get in it, into it today. But you begin to see here that Job had a fear problem, particularly when it came to his children. Job, I don't know if, if Job was one of these parents that did not teach his children well about about God and about the things of God. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if his children became rebellious. But you see that Job has a fear problem concerning his children. Now, I want you to understand something. What you're going to, what you're going to realize out of this is that Job, Job wasn't in fear for himself, but he was in fear for his children. And what's interesting is the attack, the demonic attack that came against Job was in the very place that he feared his children. So, why didn't he teach his children? I, I, I don't know, but fear seemed to be the primary motivator whenever, you know, whenever it came to Job and his kids. Now, I, I hate for us to stop and hit the brakes here, but I hope you got the concept of this. But we're going to come right back and we're going to pick up here next week. But I want you to think on this. is like Job went through some horrible things and the place where... Uh, where he had was attacked was the place where he had fear. Now, fear, when there is fear, there is obviously not faith. When there is fear, there is not trust. There is, there is uncertainty. There is wavering. And what I have found is where we tend to have our breakdowns are in those places where we have fears. They may even be legitimate fears, but there's ways to walk with God. There's ways to walk in faith and utilize faith instead of fear because fear uh, is, is a destructive motivator. Remember, every seed bears after its own kind. So anything that you do based on fear, anything that you believe based on fear is, is a seed that chokes out the Word of God. And the only thing that fear can produce in your life is more destruction that causes more fear. You cannot have peace and righteousness and joy when fear is driving what you are calling faith. And so much of what people call faith is really just fear uh, put into practice. Now, remember, if you want to get the series that goes along with this, this is going to go into much more detail than we can go in here. Be sure and check it out at impactministries.com because you know something, this is an incredible series. And listen, I want you to, I want you to help me reach other people with this. Uh, uh, I want you to, I want you to make it possible for more people to see this. And here's what you can do. If you're watching this on YouTube, now if you're not watching this on YouTube, you can go, you can go onto YouTube to my channel and you can, you can, first of all, comment on this. If you're, tell people what you're getting out of these messages. Tell people how it's helping you. Comment. That helps people 
uh, in just such an incredible way. But also, the more of you who like this, that means the more people that YouTube is going to send this to, the more exposures get means it's going to help people. Also, one of the things that you can do is uh, that you can subscribe to this channel. Uh, if you subscribe to this channel, then you're going to get something every single week that's going to help you, that is going to encourage you, it's going to strengthen you. And that's, you know, that's what we're trying to do. I'm not trying to convert you to what I believe or uh, per se. I'm trying to help you say, wait a minute, who, who is God really? Who did he show himself to be through the Lord Jesus Christ? So, so be sure and, and like I said, comment and, and like it. And subscribe to it. But you know something? There's, if there's people you know this will help, then you want to be sure and share this. That's a powerful tool that you can put in people's hands. So, man, get ready. We're going to come back next week. We're going to, it's going to be a great journey and how incredibly faithful and dependable God really is. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.